0: Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbühl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. Motor vehicle accidents are the leading cause of death in the workplace, and I don't mean just semi or tractor-trailer drivers. These fatalities include employees who are just running errands for work, driving to sales appointments, or driving to provide services within the community. In other words, if you have an employee driving for any aspect of his or her job, you have a risk of a potentially deadly motor vehicle accident. On average, every 13 minutes in the United States, there's a motor vehicle related fatality. And last December's issue of Safety Science, researchers by Voda, Pratt, and Giles published a study titled quote, The Relationships Among Roadway Safety Management Practices, Collision Rates, and Injury Rates Within Company Fleets. End quote. They identified statistically significant factors that were related to reduced collision and injury rates in almost 11 billion miles driven. Now I'll discuss three of the more successful practices they identified. First, the researchers found that providing all employees with any form of driver training reduced the number of injuries per mile driven. Training all employees is critical. The researchers found that just training drivers or high-risk drivers did not have the same impact on the organization's rate of injuries. This training can be in-person classroom training or via remote means such as online. The authors did not determine if there was any difference in the effectiveness of classroom or remote training. Based upon my non-scientific experience, in-person training allows a trainee to ask questions and seek clarification easier, and it allows the trainer the ability to monitor employees and their relative engagement. While remote training tends to have more quiz or knowledge assessment elements to ensure employees are involved in the material. Ultimately, when you implement driver training, Select a program for your organization that engages employees in the material, pushes them to safe driving behaviors and practices, and is sustainable for the organization. Second, an aggressive cell phone policy was also shown to reduce the chance of motor vehicle accidents. I don't mean shaking your phone at the guy behind you in a fit of rage. You need a policy that clearly states if and how cell smartphones can be used in vehicles. The most protective policy is one that simply prohibits the use of cell and smartphones during motor vehicle operation. Some organizations have also started reviewing cell phone records after any motor vehicle collision. Organizations that reviewed cell phone records after all collisions saw a greater reduction in collisions than organizations that just checked records after serious collisions. While the authors didn't say it, I feel that simply checking records will not result in a change. It's having a policy that prohibits the use of seller smartphones during driving and then disciplining employees up to and including termination if they violate this policy. It's the result of the violation that makes the difference in employee behavior. One relatively new practice to reduce motor vehicle injuries that saw a great success is the implementation of fatigue management practices. This includes driving limitations, fatigue training for new hires, screening for fatigue, and restrictions on night driving. Some basic steps employers can take is to limit the number of hours employees are awake and driving, to have employees take breaks during extended drives, to limit or eliminate driving at night and from 2 to 4 p.m. when most people are naturally tired, and to provide enough off-duty time for workers' commutes, basic needs such as eating, and 7 to 9 hours of sleep. There are several driver fatigue training programs that are available at low cost and can be delivered remotely to teach employees the hazards of fatigue driving and the steps they can personally take to minimize the hazard. In addition, you can consider offering drivers a medical evaluation to determine if they have sleep issues such as sleep apnea. You can also purchase vehicles that offer drowsiness detection systems that encourage drivers to take a break when they show signs of being drowsy. One finding that was counterintuitive to both the authors and me was that checking motor vehicle driver records, or MVRs, was not associated with fewer injuries per mile driven. The thought is that if you check MVRs, you would not permit drivers with high rate of infractions to drive because they are at a higher risk of collision and subsequently injury. In fact, this single study showed that checking MVRs was associated with statistically more injuries per mile driven. Again, common sense would indicate that past driving performance should predict future performance and that MVR reviews would help organizations keep high-risk drivers off the road for company purposes. However, in preparation for this podcast, I did a literature review on the relationship between traffic offenses and collisions. I was startled by what I found. There is no consensus that individuals with more traffic offenses Are more likely to have collisions. This is actually one of the most debated topics in motor vehicle safety research, as there are many problems with how the research has been conducted and resulting conclusions. This literature review does change my opinion on MVR checks. Do I think you should stop doing them? No. They can be important in preventing negligent entrustment claims, but I do think organizations need to keep in mind that MVR checks are only one element of a fleet safety program. If you are wondering what negative entrustment claims are, here's an example. Imagine your organization has a driver with a drunk driving conviction in the past three years. The employee drives a van for your organization carrying children. One day, that driver is drunk while working and is involved in an accident and children are seriously injured. The families of the children may bring a negligent entrustment claim against your organization. In such a suit, the claim is that your organization is negligent in the entrustment of the children for allowing a person to drive with a prior drunk driving conviction. As I wrap up this podcast, I want you to think about your organization. If you have employees driving for the company to complete their work tasks, do you have a fleet safety program? If so, it needs to involve more than just motor vehicle record checks. At a minimum, implement a strong cell or smartphone usage policy. If possible, simply prohibit the use of cell phones in your company vehicles. Consider adopting a policy that permits you to check cell phone usage records as part of an investigation to any vehicle collisions with appropriate disciplinary measures when usage is detected. Fatigue is a significant factor in motor vehicle accidents, so take steps to train employees on fatigue management and evaluate other fatigue management measures that may be applicable to your organization. Lastly, do not forget about driver safety training, if for no other reason than to remind employees about safe driving habits. What you do today for safety can save a life tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.